0: The legal cannabis industry has unlocked generational wealth opportunities across the country. But the industry's regulatory complexities, constant state of change, and speed of evolution drive confusion for entrepreneurs and investors alike. On this podcast, we'll interview the industry leaders who are shaping the future of the legal cannabis industry to help our listeners understand these idiosyncrasies. This is Cannabis Unlocked, hosted by Key Investment Partners. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Cannabis Unlocked. Today, I am honored to be joined by Courtney Davis, the Executive Director of Marijuana Matters. Courtney, how are you?
1: I'm fine. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure.
0: Yeah, so to kick things off, would love if you would just give the listeners a little bit of your biography and background and how you got involved with Marijuana Matters
1: yeah um well i uh have come from a career in public service i worked for um colorado senator michael bennett for about 10 years starting off in the state office um doing some casework and then eventually moving to dc to focus on policy work i ended up um really enjoying that for a time, but Capitol Hill and the Senate in particular just has a way of letting you know when it's time for you to move on. Um, there are there are some lifers that, that end up retiring there, but for many of some of the younger folks, we end up either going to K Street or, or working in nonprofits or going to law school. Um, none of those things that I wanted to do. I really wanted was interested in cannabis. I had worked on agricultural policy for a while and got really interested, um, having had the opportunity to work on the 2014 Farm Bill, which authorized industrial hemp. And then, you know, with Colorado being one of the early states to legalize, I was like, wow, I really would like to do a little bit more work in this space, but that wasn't really happening. It still really isn't happening in the Senate. And so I started doing my due diligence and networking and trying to find a policy job in DC where I could work on cannabis. And that's how I um, found Marijuana Matters and Khadijah Triple, who's the founder of the organization and started working there um, in 2020.
0: Fantastic.
1: And so, what is Marijuana Matters? Yeah, Marijuana Matters is an organization that works to make sure that social equity is the keystone, the cornerstone of the legalized cannabis industry. And so, we're not necessarily um, advocating for legalization or decriminalization or anything like that. We just understand that this is happening these states are coming on board the federal government is considering widespread cannabis legislation and we want to make sure that as those considerations are being made that there's equity within the law and so the three ways that we do that are through our three pillars education entrepreneurship and advocacy and our education arm we have a number of um, resources that we have a, a, a green light blog and podcasts where we highlight different aspects of the industry and folks that are participating and advocating for different policies. We host webinars, um, we participate in panels and um, helping MSOs or community members understand what equity can look like in their towns or in their states. Our entrepreneurship arm, which we launched our boot camp last year, Uh, where we essentially have, uh, last year we had five individuals that we were calling the Fab Five and we helped um, them to, in whatever place they were in their business, we helped them to understand more about how they can participate in this industry and helping them plug some of those gaps that they need to take their business to the next step. And for our advocacy arm, we help public institutions and communities and MSOs as they're designing policies that are making sure that they keep equity in mind. And so we've worked in a number of different states, including DC, and in helping them to understand um, what equity could look like as they're d- beginning to consider these policies or to in states like Colorado, where they have an established industry, but need to want to make a couple of changes to their programs. We're here to support them and in those efforts.
0: That's fantastic. And I'd love to learn more about the uh, the boot camp and how maybe potentially people could join one. Uh, but maybe before we get into that, could you help to define what does social equity mean specifically as it relates to cannabis?
1: Um, as it relates to cannabis, I mean, this is this is a tough question because it's a buzz phrase that folks have been throwing around for a while, and so, but it's 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 not necessarily something that's new. And so essentially social equity is the equitable distribution of resources and services by public serving institutions. So that could be governments, corporations, um, NGOs, uh, essentially to promote and ensure Fair and equitable access to opportunities, and then when it and as it relates to cannabis, we're talking about for individuals from communities that have been historically disadvantaged by the war on drugs. That is a lot, but you know the short version is is that we're trying to create equity within an industry that has been propped up based on folks that have been in the legacy market and also repairing harms from the failed war on drugs policy and there is no one way to do that but the best way to to try and figure out how these policies can make the biggest impact is by including individuals um, that have lived these experiences and making sure that we're reversing policies that negatively impacted them and repairing um, the harm from the failed war on drugs policy. So that's, that's how we see social equity. We think of it as an ecosystem. There is no social equity licenses are the answer. Um, you know, it's, it's a lot larger than that. And that's why we exist to kind of help create that drumbeat.
0: Thank you. That was a beautiful answer. <laughs> and so um, as you talk about the war on drugs, it would be helpful to they better understand what were some of the main reasons that it became such an abject failure, and what are some of the collateral consequences that we continue to see from the war on drugs?
1: Essentially, the war on drugs, as we learned now, was wasn't really a war on drugs. it was a war on people. And in particular, we're talking about folks that were in communities of color. Um, it was something that, uh, in the Nixon administration they decided that they were going to go after certain communities and peoples of persons of color that were using marijuana were one of those targets and so you know you saw an over criminalization of communities um, folks uh, that have uh, African Americans and persons of color are using cannabis at the same rate as whites but are, being imprisoned at a disproportionate rate, um, which is something that's still happening. And that is, you know, just just because there's a lot more police officers in certain communities than there are in others that are, you know, just kind of canvassing the area. And um it took a while for, I mean, the, the industrial prison complex, I mean there was just a whole there's you know decades of issues that um have that that basically took place because of this war on drugs and war on people, and these laws, you know, once once a law becomes signed into, uh, once a policy becomes signed into law, you know, something has it either has to sunset or someone has to come and reverse it. And there are a lot of bad policies that continue to impact individuals that have been um, disenfranchised based on their sentences, and then. The collateral consequences are essentially when an individual continues to be, um, when they continue to have, uh, be punished based on a punishment that they've already served. And so that could be um, a, a bar on receiving federal aid, FAFSA, because you have a criminal record where you have a drug felony charge of cannabis. That could be, you know, we all know that felons in certain states aren't allowed to vote. Um, You know, that's the ultimate disenfranchisement of an American citizen. There are thousands of collateral consequences at state levels, whether it be not allowed to have a certain type of driver's license after after a certain period of time. And so these are some of the issues that we continue to see. And, you know, when we talk about legalizing cannabis, those policies have to be addressed, they have to be reversed and we are, you know, addressing those policies that are essentially, were negatively impacting the community that we're now trying to prop up with legal cannabization, with legalization of cannabis.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really disheartening that all this progress is made on the legalization front, yet on the social equity side, so many jurisdictions have continued to lag behind. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to, to hear, are there, some states you think have done it well, some that have done it poorly, like what are some of the lessons learned that we've seen as it relates to social equity in conjunction with the legalization of cannabis over the last decade or so?
1: Yeah, this is such a loaded question because even our, like Marijuana Matters, we have a social equity toolkit that is available on our website where we um, essentially give the guidelines of the principles of social equity. And one of the unique things about our organization is that we believe that there's a shared responsibility between communities, public institutions, and private businesses to create an industry that does no harm. And so we have recommendations for all of those groups of uh, communities. And we highlight some, you know, for each of those groups, we highlight, here's a couple of bills that we liked. Um, Here's an MSO that's doing something that we like. Here's an example of community. And the cannabis industry is changing so much that it's hard to keep up with the actual bills and then the implementation because some of the recommendations that we have um we may you know things have changed uh illinois for example is one of the states that people in cannabis thought was And we thought the policy was amazing. It was Mm -hmm. the first state that was able to legislate, uh, that was able to create social equity through their state legislature. But a couple of years later, we now see that their their social equity program has been held up in litigation for two years. Um, These are individuals that are already struggling to survive that have had to hold on to real estate um, that are trying to uh, hold off their investors. And so we we see that some of these policies, um, you know, when I worked on the Hill, we would, we would write things and I would always go through the congressional record to, to read and see what, what the senators were talking about so that we can get to what their intention was with the policy. And I think the problem that we have now is that these policies are looking good on paper or maybe some of them aren't, but they they look good on paper, but the intent is not there and the implementation is lacking. And so I think we could learn from a lot of states, you know, like Illinois that have their lottery and, and also um, Los Angeles, Oakland. But there are a lot of, I said there are a lot of programs um, that I that I do like, like Oakland, for example, has a program where they were giving grants to uh producers um, that were weren't able to afford uh, like a a kitchen uh, business license. And so they're giving these individuals access to a shared kitchen. Mm. That's an example of policy. Yeah, that's something that is, it's not a license, you know, but these individuals that are able to process you know, they're edible or they're concentrate, but don't have the money for an industrial-sized kitchen. And so I think that those are some of the, like, even some of these smaller policies are ones that I would say this is something that we support and we, and we encourage states to think a little bit more outside of the box in that case. Um, but, you know, in terms of some of the things that we do support, you know, and that what we, lessons that we've learned is that Understanding that grants are better than high interest loans for social equity applicants, making sure that they are able, you know, if, if the laws, if they're going to be required to hold on to real estate for X amount of times um, and not have access to safe banking, you know, they, it's not fair to loan these individuals money and then five years later, when they still don't have their dispensary, to then ask for the money back. Um, with very high interest rates. And so there are some policies like that that we understand now we should be asking for grants and not for loans. Um, There's, you know, New York is a state that folks are watching. They are planning to have a social equity fund like Illinois did. Um, You know, we're curious to see the implementation of that. And with implementation, that depends on who you have overseeing the program. Do you have individuals that have a background in cannabis? Do they do they understand cannabis? I mean, one of the examples, that's not related to cannabis, but my friends and I were laughing about, um, one of the senators, I can't remember who it was, but Facebook had came to testify and he was asking like, how do they make money if they're, if they don't make their users pay for, uh, you know, to, to be on Facebook, uh, and it's like, you really don't, you're overseeing this, these companies, these tech companies, and you don't really understand how this industry operates. And that is what we see in cannabis. Some folks don't understand how cannabis can operate, or, you know, haven't been involved in anything in a legacy market, and they need a lot of training. Consumers need training and education. So, there are a number of things that we think should be included in some of these policies. Um, and it's hard to say which states are getting it right at this point. Sure. sure.
0: Thank you. That was really helpful. Um, and so, flipping back to the boot camps that marijuana, marijuana Matters puts on, could you explain a little bit more about what that looks like?
1: Yeah, so um, we're a newer organization, smaller, and are really looking to give entrepreneurs a more intimate um, type of uh, boot camp experience. And so what we have, you know, in our application, we have accepted folks that are op- that are um, not operating, but folks that are living in states where cannabis is still illegal and are looking at either some of the CBD um, opportunities. And then we also have folks that are in, you know, states where cannabis is legal. And so through, you know, the diverse group of individuals that we have, we try to pull together a group of mentors that can come and speak to these individuals and meet them where they are. Um, We have folks that are, you know, Operationalized here in Maryland, and we were able to help pay for uh, part of a membership to a shared kitchen space so that they can continue to test and batch their products. And so we're, you know, there's no certificate of completion at the end, but we we are for, for those individuals that need funding, you know, we're helping them to uh, connect them with funders. We had a partnership with 1863 Ventures, and they were able to go through that business boot accelerator program which was really helpful um, for our next year you know we're really excited about opening up our application in the next coming months and hope that this program will be even more robust the second year round. but we're really you know we like to call marijuana matters you know our followers and supporters our tribe and so individuals that are part of our boot camp continue to call on us for things. we will continue to support them, help get their products and shelves when they're up and operationalized, and just make sure that they understand that the, the wealth of opportunities that the legalized industry can bring. You know some of these folks aren't even plant touching. so that's a little bit about the type of boot camp that we're looking to run.
0: That's fantastic. Um, And where can people go to find more information about
1: the boot camps? Um, Our website, marijuanamatters.org. We will have all the information about the boot camp. We have some interviews um, and some blog posts that we've written where we interviewed some of the members of our boot camp. And we're also, I mean, this is, I don't know if people are gonna know how to find this, but we're um, gonna be on DC TV in a couple of months. And they're going to profile some of the individuals here in the D.C. area that were a part of our boot camp and talk to them about their experience and where they are in their business.
0: Oh, fantastic. Well, if you want to share the link when that's up, we can also share it on our uh, LinkedIn. Okay.
1: Great. Awesome.
0: Yeah. Um, And so then what about for companies operating in the cannabis industry or individuals who maybe want to make a donation to support either Marijuana Matters or other social equity programs? Are there any recommendations that you would have for folks who want to get involved?
1: Yeah, um, we would love and welcome that. Um, I think part of the, the question that I get a lot is how can we help? And, and a lot of times organizations want to create their own program or something, but there are so many organizations like Marijuana Matters that are established that are working hard and could really benefit from funding and partnerships. Um, And so, you know, we have a donate button on our website. We also are selling um, shirts, Marijuana Matters shirts, which when people, when we wear, people are very interested and they're like, yeah, marijuana does. (laughs) So I mean, kudos to Khadijah for coming up with a really dope name. Um, uh, Other organizations that we like to partner with, Um, Uplift Cannabis, uh, Minorities for Medical Marijuana, Minorities Cannabis Trade Association, Women Grow. Uh, These are a few of the organizations that we do a lot of great work with and know that they're working across the country and have access to a lot of minority owned business, minority business owners that are looking um, to have partners for their business.
0: Fantastic. And so then just looking forward to the rest of 2022, are there any uh, potential regulatory reforms that you're excited about or any other you know, initiatives that you're keeping an eye on?
1: Yeah, we're, we're following Congress um, and the administration. Uh, there are a lot of policy predictions for safe banking. I think this is like the 12th time it's been attached to <laughs> Um It's on the continuing resolution right now. Congressman Ed Perlmutter is retiring and he is not going to rest this year until he gets safe banking passed. Um, And so we are are following that. Also Senator, uh, Leader Schumer has his cannabis reform bill that we've been supportive of and have submitted comments. I think it's hard to say with this administration and with this Congress, Having not been able to get many um, bills passed in general, <laughs> I don't see cannabis being a priority, but we are, we are here um, and a stakeholder and are going to be advocating for, for what we want to see should, that, should those bills come to fruition.
0: Great. Well, Courtney, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been so much fun.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Absolutely. And uh, we'll plan to post that video from DCTV when it's ready. And uh, in the meantime, folks, check out uh, was it marijuanamatters.org. Yes. Great. <laughs> great. Well, thanks again and have a great rest of your afternoon, Courtney. All right.
1: You too. Bye. Okay.